Hey everyone, welcome to The Start. I'm Nick. And I'm Patrick. This episode, we're with the one and only Drew Wilson. Drew is a designer, developer, straight-up robot, and proud dad. He's the guy behind Lumo, Rune, Namebox, and the Pictos font set, and most recently, KidCam, an app perfect for any parents out there. You really don't want to miss this one. We want to say special thanks to our sponsor, Plasso. Uh, Plasso makes payments simple. If you're selling t-shirts, if you're a freelance designer, hint, hint, um, if you're just selling anything or want to get paid for things, Plasso's for you. Um, you can head to plasso.co, that's .co, to sign up for free and start making money. This is the start. How's it going? Good. It is going good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, uh, we appreciate you being on here. You were one of those uh, folks that was in reach because, you know, we've talked to you before on Twitter, but vaguely out of reach just because we know that you have a pretty awesome um, background and, um, you know, everyone knows you as like that awesome unicorn designer developer who seems to get more time out of the day than anyone else based on the amount of things that you ship. That's called staying up late. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, yeah, it is incredibly impressive. Uh, hopefully we get into it a little bit, but uh, the amount of work you put out is crazy. Yeah. Oh, um, so, Drew, why don't you tell us about yourself? Why don't we just kick this, things off, this thing off? Um, who you are, what you do, maybe where you live. You guys are doing okay with all those crazy fires, right? Yeah, so um, right now I live in Carlsbad, California, and... Um, close enough to the beach that I was far enough away from uh, from the fires. And they're actually all put out now. There was uh, actually some major raging fires uh, a couple cities east uh, of us. Oh, wow. And it was, yeah, I saw some uh, of I had a couple buddies who were evacuated and stuff. Yeah, but. I saw your Twitter feed. It was, uh, I think you had you'd pointed to another individual who was like live tweeting the whole thing. Um, yeah. Photos were crazy. My buddy Eric, yeah, he he and I are making this app called KidCam right now. Okay. Well, well, we made it. We're just waiting for it to be reviewed. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Um, so that's actually a good little segue. Who, uh, who are you? What do you do, Drew? I mean, we know. Why don't you tell the listeners who probably also already know? Oh, okay. Um, so uh, I am a, I'm a guy who makes stuff. I guess uh, I'm a dad. I live in, um, like I said, Carlsbad, California. Been designing. For a long time, developing for not as long of a time as designing, but been developing for a long time too. Um, I make web products, apps, that kind of stuff um, professionally. And as a hobby, I get to do my um, my hobby as a as a job, which is pretty cool. Uh, so most people, I guess, probably know me for the different web and iOS apps I've made. Um, things like I just launched Plasso, which used to be Spacebox. Which is awesome. Which is Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, which is like a payment system built on Stripe. And then um, you might know me from my icon set Pictos back in the day. Uh, it's pretty popular. And yeah, there's a bunch of other stuff I've done. Um, we can get into that kind of stuff. But um, mm-hmm. but I guess I, uh, as far as who I am, 
um, I like I like making stuff. Like I really like it a lot. So, and the thing that I'm good at making happens to be software. Uh, not like I'm the best in the world. I just out of all the things I can do, I can make that pretty good. Um, so I like doing that. It's it's a fun. It's challenging. Um, it's yeah. It's it's really challenging. It's and it's great because it's endless, right? So when I got when I started off doing design work, um, not that there's ever a limit, but there's uh, there's a limit in I don't know how to say it. It's not really a limit in skill, but it's just creativity is endless, right? So you can always come up with new things and new techniques to make stuff, right, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and be creative. But when you get into the world of development, um, things just go like up a million notches as far as like what you can do. Um, It just expands your creativity palette like just enormously. And there's always so much more to learn in the world of development as compared to design. There's I think there's less to learn, um, but there's so much w- more to learn in the world of development. I mean, when you just look at uh, the way that you write your code, you can look at security, you can look at uh, uh, the different languages themselves and getting good at speed, getting uh, speed from those. It's just so much stuff there. And so it's it's exciting. It's, it's always pushing me to be like, oh, hey, I made that. Well, now let's like make a new thing, but like make it way better based on all the stuff I, had, all the stuff I know now. It's kind of a long tangent, but um, other than uh, doing development and design, I like um, hanging out with my kids a lot. So I work from home, and uh, I've worked from home uh, pretty much always. <laughs> uh, yeah, like really pretty much always. And um, so it's it's fun. I have three three little kids, and they get to run around in in the house and come say hi to me whenever. It's 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 good. It was hard to get used to, That's but. Good. Um, it's it's fun. It's if I'm not on the computer working, I'm hanging out with them. Uh, I'm at a point in my life where my kids are really young. Like my oldest is four, and my youngest is six months. And uh, so I'm at a point in my life where um, I'm not going to get out much anyway. Yeah. So I just don't get out anywhere unless it's with mm-hmm. my kids. And I live in an area where there's like tons of nature, and uh, the beach is right next to us. And so it's it's easy to not have to drive anywhere and just go out and hang out with yeah. the kids. So. And it sounds like the outdoor activities are multi-purpose. Like not only do you have fun, but so do your kids. So it's like a double win. Yeah, yeah. I used to I used to surf a ton. I used to surf like multiple times a day. Um, well, two times a day. Uh, but I have, let's see, after my first kid was born, when you have one kid, you're kind of like single still. It's, it's not <laughs> the hugest deal. Yeah. Uh, but once you add multiple kids, it's like a whole nother story. So I surf still when I have one kid, but once my daughter came along, um, I was cut down to like <laughs> like once a month. And then uh, when my second daughter came along, I, I haven't even been out in this calendar year. So, well, it's, uh, Drew, when they're <laughs> but when I can see the surf from here. So <laughs> when they're old enough, you can teach them how to surf, and boom, there you yeah. Go. Um, so why don't you, uh, it's, well, one, it's great to learn about your family and how you're doing stuff. Um, and that's Nick's dog. What's his name again? Charlie, I think, right? Sorry about that, Charlie. That's okay. Um, pets are fun. So it's good to learn about sort of how you work and the fact that you work from home, which I think we'll, we'll touch on a little bit later, but why don't you tell us how you, uh, sort of began? What was that first, um, at first moment, I, I so I'll go on my own little tangent. I read a little bit about you, did a little bit of research, and you mentioned that your dad um, had a business in which I believe it was comic books and collectibles. I could be wrong, but um, yeah. he had like Photoshop too. And before then, he was sort of cutting and pasting and like sending it off to get his like mail order 
catalogs printed. And that was probably the first time. Where did you read this? I, I remember saying this, but I can't remember where. where did you um, let me pull it up now. I'll put it in the show notes too. So it's actually, it was actually on your website, dude. Um, the website? Yeah, at the bottom. Um, shows, interviews, and talks. Hmm. Oh, oh, I thought you meant like it was written out on my website. No, no, no. Oh, because you, okay. you did with One Minute With, which I think they're awesome. I don't know who does that, but. Oh, okay. Yeah, that. that was a long yeah. time. What was that, like 2011, 10? Yeah, and you, well, you talked about it briefly in there. So, and like, I thought that was yeah. interesting. So was that like the, if that was the first the first foray into anything design, why don't we start there? If not, we can start wherever else you feel it's relevant. Yeah, yeah. So, no, that's totally right. Um, I uh, I got started in design. Well, I've always been interested in art. So even going back further, I've always been interested in the creative stuff, like crafty stuff. Mm-hmm. So when I was a kid, I frequented Michael's, which is a craft store here in the U.S. Was and, it for popsicle um, sticks? Because I went there for popsicle sticks. I I went there for clay, for canvas, and cool. other stuff. Um, but yeah, so I used to I used to make things when I was a kid, like beads, and I would sell them at garage sales. That's awesome. <laughs> I remember actually. Yeah, nice. I made T-shirts when I was like nine or nine or ten or something, and um, I used to love to draw comic comic heroes because my dad, uh, ever since I've been alive, has. Had a had a cattle, um, a comic book and collectibles business. Well, my computer just dropped, um, and so yeah, so I would draw superheroes all the time, and he he had given me tons of comics, and my favorite thing to draw was Spider Man and Hulk, and so I remember drawing uh, Spider Man and I think Hulk and maybe Captain America on three different white T shirts. I went to the store, bought some white T shirts because I was going to sell them, mm-hmm. right? Thinking how how I can make money, and so. At our garage sale, I hang them up on hangers, make them look fancy. But it's just it's just Sharpie, black Sharpie Spider-Man, you know, yeah. on, on a white shirt, which maybe look cool these days. But yeah, um, yeah very cool these days. Uh, but uh, I sold them, and then I only sold two, and I and so I had one left over, and I washed it, and when I put <laughs> washed, there was nothing there. <laughs> there was nothing there because. A retard. I didn't even think to use like a sharpie. I used probably some washable marker that my mom did. Gave it bleed me. on stuff so, though. No, it's just gone. Oh, well, so, that's. I mean, it stinks. It's gone. So those people are gonna be like, "Where is that shirt I bought?" <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so I grew up doing uh, that, and then also more like traditional art. Like when I was in high school, I took art classes, and I even took a screen printing class in um, in high school. I made my first screen printed shirt, which was a Superman logo that I made up, like a different one, except it was Superman with an A instead of Super with an ER. Nice. Um, and I made before, even before screen printing, I would do iron-on shirts. And I remember one because I really like Quicksilver. This was probably when I was twelve or thirteen. Um, I made one called. I made up this logo. It's like a pyramid with. It was funny, but. It was called Slow Gold instead of Quicksilver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Original. Yeah, I know. So anyways, I've been interested in that kind of stuff for a long time. And um, so when my dad uh, transitioned out of – because he he's had the first ever mail order catalog, had it since the 80s, uh, for buying comics. And so his customers would be like uh, Mark Hamill, the guy who played Luke Skywalker, Harrison Ford, Nicolas Cage, Steven Spielberg. And so we as kids would label all these things as, as we'd ship them out, thousands of them. 
and uh, we'd always think it's awesome when we get to do Hollywood stars, put their labels on. So you, um, I, so he, you didn't cool. know it, but you, you knew where all these cele- Hollywood like actors lived because you had to send them somewhere. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. As a kid, though, I, I never thought to. I mean, there was no. I mean, there was AOL, yeah. but there was no way to like look up where they lived. But um, so uh, what was I say? Oh yeah, so he he used to he used to do pace up, right? So he'd take photos of these books, cut them out. You know, he'd get the the film developed, cut out the little photos of the comics. You know, put some paste on the back and paste them up on sheets, and then he'd type out like what he wants to say about the book, and then he'd paste that next to it, and then he'd take each master sheet, take it to a newspaper, and then they would. Just like a newspaper, they would run mm-hmm. it, and he'd have this catalog that's printed on newspaper. And uh, then when uh, Photoshop 2 came out, he took a look at that. Because uh, we've had Max in the house since forever. And um, and so he got Photoshop 2, which was retarded expensive back then. And uh, and so he started using that. And so one of the first things he did is he took like a picture of us, scanned it in, and like, uh, like painted it on our faces or something. I, I don't even remember. But... So that like intrigued me, and so ever since then I, I played around with it in that aspect, not thinking of design whatsoever, obviously. Um, but back in that day too, I used to like to use Calendar Creator and other things like that to make my own like clip art. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. Craft it. Uh, so I got interested in the computers early, obviously, um, because I grew up with them. And then, uh, and probably when I was like, uh, let's see, I was probably fifteen, maybe fourteen. I guess when I was 14 is probably when I started putting, yeah, when I was 14, putting together the idea of um, design. Because I made my first website when I was 13. You know, that's just like doing like little animated GIFs and like different colored text. Was it um, I think I used. for yourself? Yeah, it was just, it was like a an Angel Fire homepage or Geocities okay. or something like that. And what was, and, uh, uh, maybe, sorry, what was the, um, I mean, I, it sounds like it was pretty, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very beginner, right? Or, well, I mean, the whole yeah. web was beginner back then, but um, did you do it just out of curiosity or were you? Uh... Yeah, no, I was just interested. It's like, because, you know, having AOL, you click around, you go to other websites, and I'm like, hey, I want to make one of these things. Like, what is mm-hmm. this? And so that's when you, you know, you, you do some looking, you find GeoCities or Angel Fire. And then I remember, you know, working with HTML, just, you know, everything's copy paste. You copy it from someone else's, paste it in your HTML page mm-hmm. up and I remember thinking CSS is link coloring that's all CSS was you know because that's what you would use it for yep. is to color the links and so that's all I knew that CSS was for I was like oh this this thing called CSS is for link coloring and I bought this software called HTML Metal 4 Pro and it was like nice. basically a big a couple different CDs worth of like HTML snippets that do cool things you could paste in um and then uh, I remember the thing that got me interested in in the idea of design on a website uh, was the Microsoft homepage. Funny enough, they had a uh, – I don't remember what year. This was probably 96. They had a sidebar that went all the way up and went up to the header. But when it transitioned to the header, there was like a cur- – it like curved, right? So mm. – and I was like, how the heck – did they get it so it's curved and not like you know a straight square uh, rectangle sidebar and rectangle header, yeah. header? Like how did they get that little you know curve in there? And so I like did some view sourcing and like figured it out. I'm like oh they use this thing called tables and images and I'm like what the hell? Uh, so that's what got me all started in it. I was like how did they do this? So is it like um, three different images all from a yeah. curve? Yeah, all from a curve. So they were just using a table layout, but. Um, 
anyhow, that's what got me interested in that. And then I uh, made my own websites. I got into the Flash world and did all that. I used to do animation stuff, too. After Effects, I used to do that for, like, a job, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's come a long way since then. And then in the year 2002, I decided I'd bite the bullet and start developing stuff because I always avoided it. I was like, that's so nerdy. There's no way I'm going to be that kind of a guy. So you just didn't want to uh, do it out yeah. of um, uh, the idea of, of or the, the stigma around, like, a developer's well, no, personality? I mean, it just seems so. It just seems so boring. Like sitting there, like coding. Gotcha. Like, it just seems so boring. Like, oh, it's like, it seems like the worst what, thing in the world to do. What did you want? It, you know, what did you want to do? What were you thinking about? Doing well, what I the reason I did it is because I would take my designs and I could only get so far with HTML and only so far with CSS. And then, so I, I used Flash, but Flash, even though it could do a lot of stuff, it was always just a huge pain to work with, and. Um, and then got, I kind of figured out the idea of, of action scripting, you know, because you use, normally use Flash, you just, you know, click buttons yep. and make things connect together. And I got the idea of action scripting. And it's just always this world I did not want to learn. Just like 3D. I never wanted to get into 3D. I'm like, this is massive world. I just, it would be cool to know, but I'm like, I just have no desire to spend all the time it's going to take to know Maya or all those other programs, you know. Um and so that's the way I felt about development. I just did not want to know it. But then I got to the point where I'm like, I, my ideas went beyond like home pages, and they went mm-hmm. to things that were they were interactive mm-hmm. and things you could work on and with. And I'm like, I don't know anybody who knows to develop. I don't have money. I'm like, I just gotta do it myself, I guess. So that's what I did, and and uh, and got into PHP, and then um, yeah, I've been developing since. I think that. I made my first like back end website in two thousand two. Made my first website in ninety six. So it was a pretty big uh gap there. Eight yeah, years. Wow. So for then, eight years you were sort of just tinkering around on like I guess you would now might call it like really traditional front endy kind of stuff. Like HTML, CSS yeah. and design. Yep. And before like the idea of a CMS was a big deal. It didn't matter because every time you make someone's homepage, it's always just in HTML anyways, yeah. and you're the guy that they call to update it, you know? So it didn't really matter. So were um, you making money on these uh, from 96 to 2002? Yeah, my first paid project, I was 16. I made a poster for a concert. And so since then, I did things on the side. And then... Um, when you were 16? And then I... Yeah. That's awesome. Uh I've ha- I actually have had two jobs. I had two jobs when I was fourteen till the time I was, um, I guess until I was seventeen, and then I went and lived at the beach and worked at this conference center thing uh, for two years in the or- on the Oregon coast. And I came back in the winters and worked, and then went back in the summer twice. And then that's where I met my wife. And then I moved down to California. Didn't know a soul, but I knew that I wanted to be down here because it was sunny and I could surf in warm weather. And All the time. Mm-hmm. Originally, I was originally I was going to go to this design college called Otis, mm-hmm. but when I took a look at it, it's like sixty grand a year for um, tuition or start my wow. own business. Start, start my own business, and I'm like, yeah, I was start my own business. Um, <laughs> so I came down with the idea of starting my own business. I uh, didn't know anybody when I moved down, had met my roommate once or twice before, and my it was going to be me, my best friend, and him, and he was like good friends with my best friend, but I only met him like twice, but my best friend had moved down, and so I was down with him, who eventually became my best friend, <laughs> um, and so it was great. It was super hard and everything, not knowing anybody, um, but it was awesome. It probably allowed uh, you to then, focus a little bit though too, right? 
Yeah, but at that point, uh, that was when I moved down. It was two thousand two. So I I started gaining development after I moved down. So I mostly just uh, surfed a lot, uh, <laughs> and I I did freelance work, and that's how I paid the bills because I could not get a job. I couldn't even get a job as a busboy. Seriously, donkulous dude. Yeah, I got like I got denied everywhere I went, um, and. Uh, and then I got a job at a print shop, and I worked there for a year. So I, I did, like, uh, a lot of the post-press work. I did some press work, and then I did all the design, did some sales work, and I did, and I did deliveries. So wow, <laughs> you, were, you were pretty much the whole Pretty shop. much everything. What is, um, what is post-print work? I think that's what you said, right? Or post-press, sorry. Yeah, like the post-press work. So, like, um, if you make business cards, you print them, and then you got to cut them. Right? Gotcha. So cutting them. Or if you make uh, – if you make print materials that are going to go in a binder, you have to bind them. So I bind them. Gotcha. Okay. Um, that kind of stuff. So it was it was cool working there. It sucked the creativity out of me. I remember when I stopped working there, um, uh, I quit. It's so awkward. Uh, and I quit, and uh, <laughs> they wanted me to stay really bad, so it was super awkward. Uh, but I quit, and uh, it was just like I, I remember – I quit because I got one client. I'm like, okay, I can quit. I got one client. And uh, I remember trying to do the job. I'm like, wow, this just sucked all the creativity out of me because I'm doing business cards for people who are like, make it ugly. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Use yeah. Times New Roman. I want, the, I want the print to be puffed up and raised. You know, <laughs> like, They want it just to look so normal, ugly, ugly. And that's all I do is ugly stuff. And you have to do stuff so quickly. Yeah. Just turn it over, turn it over, turn it over. So I remember sitting down on my computer. I'm like, yay. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, I literally can't do anything. Every Everything I do looks terrible, and, uh, and I was like, "This is going to take a while." So it took a little while to get back into it, but um, then I was like, way more creative than ever before. I was making like resources, and I'd sell them on uh, You Work for Them, which is a super awesome website. I'd sell all my, like, I, I'd I'd like do paint splotches on paper, scan them in. Ah, uh, gotcha. Sell sell vector graphics and stuff like that. But anyhow. Um, I, I left with one client, finished that client. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, there's, there's, so I that's got it. it. Dude, I got in, like, I didn't know, even in, then, I didn't know about the startup world, 2003, when I left. Um, that's when I left, and I, and ever since 2003, I've just been full time doing, doing like client work until 2009 when I stopped doing client work and I just did products, yeah. my own products. Um, but I got into, like, like, I didn't know where to go, right? So I went to this thing. Do you guys know what, like, uh, business networking groups are? Um, yeah, 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 for sure. I, I, okay, I mean, so, I feel like at this point they're basically just like meetup groups, but it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. So, so I was a part of this one called BNI Business Network International, and because uh, yeah, the, I heard of that. Yeah, yeah. So you go there and it's like realtors and like mortgage people and mm-hmm. like me. <laughs> Everyone trading business cards. Yeah, everyone's trading yeah, business everything. cards, eating terrible, terrible food at you know some wannabe Denny's restaurant. Um, yeah, and I'm thinking like that would get me leads, and I put myself in the yellow pages, got like the biggest ad, spent all the money I had. I got one call out of the entire year I was there, and the one call was, hey, uh, are you guys hiring? <laughs> 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 oh, man, just not just not the industry for us, did, for sure. Did you, just like, did you just like scream now at him? Yeah, like... no, but uh, <laughs> the BNI group, I was like, hey, guys, I'll make us all a website. I'll make it so it's SEO friendly and you know, maybe get us some more exposure for everyone here. And make like a profile page for all of your business. Like, and I'm like, if you want your business on there, just pay me 50 bucks for my time, yeah. you know? And, uh, and I was the secretary treasurer, right? So I was like one of the three leaders of the whole group. And uh, even though I was like one of the youngest people there, or probably the youngest. And, uh, and I got 
the president got a letter from one of the members saying like, hey, Drew Wilson's a crook. He should be kicked out of our group. How dare he even, you know, ask for $50? Who would ever, you know, pay $50 for a website? Like, this is beyond ridiculous. Wow. I'm like, oh, my gosh. They're like, if you add it all up, if everybody signed up, it'd be like $500. Who would pay that for a website? I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> so I, that, I was like, yeah, I got to get out of this thing. This is going nowhere. I bet they still don't yeah. have a website, too. Yeah, because yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't get any referrals because, like, they're all small businesses. They can't afford yeah. anything that would be worth any of my time. So, and I didn't understand. Like at that point, I'm like, okay. Like the end goal is to make websites for big corporations. Like whatever that word is in quotes, big corporations. Yeah. And you know, because that's what all small businesses and medium-sized businesses throw around. Like, oh, it's for a big corporation, big corporation, big corporation. <laughs> like it's, it's like it has this meaning of, which is stupid. But uh, anyways, got out of that and. And the, one of the first things I did is I, I started working on um, a CMS so that way I could make websites and make them faster and still charge the same amount yep. but be able to update them easier. So I built my own software, and then that turned into two more revisions before I became this thing called FireRift, which is still up, firerift.com, which was my first piece of software that I sold. And uh, it was distributed software, meaning you buy it, you download it, install it on your, own so- on your own server, which is like the worst thing in the world. So many support requests because everyone's servers with this these terrible like five dollar hosts yeah. that they don't even set up their stuff right. Oh, it's the worst nightmare. But uh, <laughs> didn't really go anywhere. It's still, to my knowledge, the only client side CMS in existence. So like right now, there's these two popular frameworks called uh, Backbone and one called Angular JS. Yep. And essentially, Fireft is that only more, uh, but it was launched in 2008, built in 2007, and. Uh, it, it does the same thing. There's a CSS interface. So with CSS, you can do loops and pull in data and stuff like that. Um, it's pretty cool, but it's uh, old. Do you still do Anyways, any work on it? Or does it sort of just sit there? No, no. No, it's it's a behemoth, and uh, I don't sell it anymore. Mm. But all the stuff's up there just because. Yeah. Um, I even made a commercial for it. So I made this commercial, and I remember um, – I did a photo shoot for Fireft in 2006, which if you go to the Fireft website, you'll see this dude standing there. Um, actually, let me see what page that is on. Uh, let's see. I'm on it right now. It's yeah. definitely, definitely, definitely feels a little old school, but it's cool. Yeah, so if you go to Fireft and you click on the features page, yeah, click on the features page or I guess any of the other ones. But I, mean, I did so much for this, right? Like so much, like so much documentation. If you go to like the docs section, it's crazy. It's just like, it's saying how much stuff I did for this, and it didn't really go anywhere. Um, uh, da, 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 was saying, oh, yeah, so you see the guy up there with the eyes. That's my brother. Oh, really? And so I made this cool photo. I made the moon out of a picture of mud that I took <laughs> and made the logo and all that jazz. So I was like, I'm going to turn this into a movie. And so I made a commercial. If you go to the bottom, you can click on the commercials link. Um, you can watch the, the commercial on Vimeo. So I made this thing the next year, and my brother had long hair at the time, but we dressed him up in the same thing, went out to the desert at the same place, filmed this commercial, and like people were like saying, like, oh, what does software need a commercial for? Oh, just show us the software. You know, that kind yeah. of thing. I got a lot of hate for making a commercial, which is insane. Yeah, it is. That's a lot, um, of, that's a lot of time and effort. Yeah. I, it was kind of discouraging. I got a lot of hate for this project in general because people didn't really understand the idea of a JSON templater. Yeah. Like, in general, and so, yeah, it was, it was a little bit before its time, but yeah. I mean, I had a change log, I had a vlog, I had like all this crazy stuff. All this there. stuff that's like commonplace now. 
And back then they were probably like, yeah. what? what is all this extra stuff? We don't need this. Right. Yeah. That's nuts. But um, yeah, if you watch the commercial, it's pretty cool. Uh, but that was fun to do. And then I, at one point, one of my clients was a uh, film studio. So I used to make, I actually have a movie on Netflix. Are you serious? Where I'm the art director on. Yeah. What movie? It's called Walking on Water. It's called Walking on Water. It's really, uh, really boring. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a documentary about two kids who go surf around the world. Can is it cool if we throw that in the uh, show notes? Sure. You can, on my Vimeo page, you can see the stuff that I did oh, with my buddy sweet. Garrett. Dude, that's pretty cool. Um, where there's like my my actual passport is in there. I use it as like a transition piece to go from where they go from location to location. Okay. It kind of zooms out of the passport and you see the map and the plane flies to it and yada yada. That's so, really cool. Okay, so this is yeah. uh, you said, but that's all back in 2004. Yeah, um, when I did all that. So you were wow. I mean, you've got a lot of a lot of history just because you've been doing a lot of your own work. Um, when did you start yeah. transitioning off of um, client work? Because I know, again, I was reading that one minute with. Once I saw that you did that, I was like, "Ooh, let me read this because I really like the stuff that they do." Um, they you'd mentioned in there that like you just sort of got tired of the client work stuff. Um, so how that happened? Yes. Yeah. So once I started doing my own stuff, it was always very difficult to do client work. Um, I still will never take a job doing development for clients just because I don't like development that much. I mean, I love, I absolutely love making my pages like as fast as they can be and like all that kind of jazz. But that's my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really like doing it for other people. Um, so usually when I do uh, client work, it's, t- I mean, I'll do front end stuff if people want me to, but uh, typically it's just design stuff. Um, but anyhow, I it's very hard to do client work when you, when you've done your own stuff and you see like what can come of it, like the fact that you can make money from it and all that kind of stuff, it's very difficult to go back. Um, so in 2009, uh, I actually 2009 was like the worst year, uh, ever, like for me financially, I, I had just launched fire off the year before and I'd spent two years working on it and launched it. And uh, didn't go anywhere, so I made this thing called Quixly uh, with my buddy Will Wilson, who um, did Fire Earth with me. And uh, and we made Quixly, and that um, eh, didn't really go anywhere at all uh, either. Which was which was a digital delivery service, and what Plasso does now, except Plasso does more. Yeah. Um, but this was what, when so was I, this? 2006, you said? This was 2009, 2009 when I was working on Quixly, and it launched in 2010. Okay. And uh, so, like, I was selling off furniture. I sold off all my camera gear because I used to also have a wedding photography business okay. where I, was, I would do wedding photography. Um, and sold off all my camera gear. It was, like, terrible, terrible times. Um, and then uh had to short sell my house. And, uh, and then, uh, like, right when I launched Quixly, I also – built it so I could um, sell my icons, Pictos. I uh, started selling Pictos, and, like, literally they just took off, like, day one. And so that funded me um, for three years. I made tons of money off of that and uh, was able just to do whatever I wanted, and money would just roll in. So (laughs) So when you you sold Pictos, I know that there's two – Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm probably going to say this in the wrong way. There's technically two versions of Pictos. There's just like the font family and then there's the server, right? 
Yeah. So did you launch them both at the same time or did the server – I would assume the server would have came later if it did just because that's probably yeah, a Yeah, so the work. server was later. So the server I think I launched in 2011, I think January 2011, and I had launched Pictos May of 2010. And so I launched Pictos May 2010 and I think in August I came out with Pictos 2 and 3. And then I launched the – maybe the server was until 2012. Or maybe it was later, 2011. I don't remember. But then I launched uh, – no, yeah, no, no. It was 2000. I launched Pictos 2 and 3 in August. And then in January 2011, I launched the server. And then I launched Pictos 4 and Pictos Outlines in June of 2011. So I want to sort of go back for a second because you said – if I heard you correctly, you said you short-sold your house, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know – if many people listening know what a short sale is, but it's not a good thing. Um, yeah, no, it's not a good correct thing. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I Drew, I don't want to put your business out there, but a short sale is when you are selling the house even though you still owe the bank money for it. And the bank is like, okay, we'll let you sell it kind of thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. That is – so you're the first person we've spoken to that's, that's had something that – that's a major, major sort of stress um, and challenge. How um, – and we had just had our first baby. <laughs> okay, so on top of yeah. that, so I guess it's a twofold question. How are you feeling and then how was your, your now wife? I don't know if you guys were married then when you had your child. Um, but yeah. how was your uh, – what was your wife thinking? Like, hey, dude, you need to go get a desk job or like, you know, what was going on? Yeah, see, my dad um, has always had his own business. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my other two brothers, they also do comics for a living. Okay. And I have my own business. And then my – so entrepreneurial stuff kind of like is super normal for me. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely not for my wife or for her family whatsoever. Um, nobody in her entire extended family I think is even an entrepreneur. Um, so it's super weird for her. You know, She definitely prefers if I have a desk job. But it's been so long. Um, we've been married just about nine years in a couple months. And uh, – Maybe like year seven is when she stopped talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she's so, sort of clicked like, oh, he's not doing it. So, Yeah. After like Pictos was successful, she saw like what it could be. And then, um, yeah, so it just even still, even then it was for a while. But so anyways, it, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. Um, but she's been supportive. So that's been great um, for me, obviously. Uh, but no, it's it's. It's not an easy thing, but at the same time, I like the risk. So I like I like having everything on the line. It's fun to me. It's not like this thing where I'm just saying it's fun to me. It really is. I like it. Yeah, it's yeah. enjoyable. Quick, quick, quick question too about about Pictos. Um, so it kind of sounded like an afterthought, really, that you just decided to put this this you know icon set out there for sale. How how did that come about? Like how did that idea come about? Did you just think like, oh, this would be kind of neat to also do? So. I had like icons that I've been using on different people's websites for a while. And then Media Temple hired me to redesign all their stuff. Um, mm. And I think they've done that with a couple people over the years. And none of it ever launched until just recently. Um, and so there's a lot of icons involved. So I designed a few icons there. And then after that, I was like, you know what? I should just do this icon thing. Because I had been looking around for Media Temple's job, like for icons to use. And there was the Glyphish ones, which are free. Yep. And there was Helveticons, which is $249 for, like, 200 icons. And there was, like, I could not find anything else yeah. other than iStock, 
you know, photo or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I'll just make my own. I was like, I have no idea what to charge. My my range is free or $249. <laughs> and um, yeah. so I was like, well, I guess I'll do. I, I went through so many different prices. But before I launched, I was like, you know, I'll just try to make it cheap. I'll do the Coca-Cola thing where they say, you know, make it super cheap, but go for high volume, you know. Yeah. Um, Get you hooked. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll just do 29 bucks. Launched it and everyone liked it. So it did really well. And um, it was like 324 icons, I think, is in the picture yeah. one set. Well, it sounds like for value, too, you have some custom icons. You can either go for the free stuff, which bears the same warning that anything free does, uh, right? Like lack of support. Maybe it doesn't get updated ever. Or you do the really expensive stuff, which if you're doing it in high volume, like as a, as a designer, if you're making a lot of sites using a lot of icons, then cool, it makes sense. And yours sort of was like, oh, 30 bucks? I could definitely just use that once, and it's totally worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So I sold a lot of them. Tons of people use them. Like they're all over. Um, I see them all the time, every single day, which is cool. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, I can't remember the original. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it was totally an afterthought. Like I didn't think it would do well. I had just, I had spent, you know, years before, I spent two years making Firex CMS software. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I made Quixly for a year. And so I was, like, trying to, like, make it work with software. And then I come up with these stupid little icons, and they <laughs> make me all, all my money. It's, like a bit, it's, it's bittersweet, right? It's yeah. It's probably a lot more sweet. Yeah, yeah. So that's just how it goes, I guess. So then so, what you was, know, like, well, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I would say, so that gives, like, you know, it gives you a taste of, like, what, you know, what could be. And so I'm not, like, it's not like I absolutely adore making icons. Um, so it was never my intent to like continue to make more and, and it, I'm not going to like try to milk it for all it's worth kind of thing. Um, because now everybody and their brother makes icons. Like it is ridiculous how many icons are available now. It is just mm-hmm. insane. So, um, there's no reason to even try to make more. Um, cause there's just so many, uh, anyways. Um, so I mean, Pictos had an amazing run. And uh, but now it's been tapering off, so I have, I'm trying do you, to. Do you still charge for that? With something else. Yeah, Pictos are still up there. Uh, I I shut down signups on the Pictos server for now, just because I'm focusing on other stuff. I I still use it in some of my apps, and um, other people still use it. Yeah. So I still support it, support them when they have questions, but um, it's not open for yeah new signups. But basically, it's like what Typekit uh, is, and it launched shortly after Typekit. And it's a, a CDN, and it dynamically uh, serves icons to your to your site. Yeah, that's awesome. Probably makes your life a whole lot easier too. You don't have to reload Pictos fonts every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you did that. That took off. Um, I'm sure that probably right after all the bad stuff that happened, I'm sure that gave you um, a bunch of energy and a good kick in the butt. So what was um, what was the next thing? So after Pictos started doing well, I was like, well, I could do pretty much whatever I want, so I'm going to do what I want, which is to make things. And mm-hmm. So one of the first things I made was Screeny, which was a Mac app back in the Snow Leopard days when there was no way to do screen recording. Uh, and then I made um, I made other things. I'm, I'm going to have to look at my website just a I made it has it all listed out for me. So when people ask me questions, I can say when it was. Let's see. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, I had I had made this ad network called Yogurt um, that actually I launched around the same time as Pictos came out. Which so there was like Fusion ads and um, there was uh, the Deck 
advertising, mm-hmm. which I think um, Google or uh, Dribble still uses. Um, and so those are ad networks, but you had to be like someone cool or you had to have a ton of page views. So I wanted to make the same thing except for anybody, and that's yep. what yogurt was. And I sold it to buy sell ads, which everyone's like, man, did you cash out on that? Advertising's huge. I was like, no, son. I lost money every month, and when they bought it, it didn't even pay off all my bills. So, <laughs> so advertising isn't that big for me. They did me a favor, yeah. um, and I made Build It with me the year before. That's right, Build It with me was pretty cool. That was my first thing that got up on TechCrunch. Oh, really? Wow. How that? Yeah. Um, so, actually, I'm sure there's probably like an odd juxtaposition because it Build It with me probably got you on TechCrunch, which, which probably I'm making an assumption here. Sent you got got you a lot of emails from people who wanted to hire you for client work, or probably just like poach you in general. No, really, not a, not a single one of those. Well, that's good then. Well, I got I got a lot of people like investors calling me. Oh, that's but. interesting. So you know we haven't gone through your whole. I mean, you have a very long list of products you've made, which is incredible. But what um, it, it sounds like uh, Fire Rift and some of the other ones took really long to build what um and i'm sure throughout there there's ups and downs what kept it going what what was that drive that was like hey i need to wake up today and do this again for another four five six months just for this one project yeah it's uh i don't know it's it's like the idea of like hey man if i get this and thousands of people buy that's a lot of money (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. and uh and then also in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, if it doesn't go anywhere, at least I can use it for my clients. Um, but it's inexperience um, that that drove me. Uh, and what I mean by that is I had no idea what I was getting into. Like I had no idea how long it would take. Um, people say like, you know, the, the last 10% takes 90% of the time. Yeah. Well, f- for me, the last percent, 10% started on day two. Like it took forever. <laughs> it was like... <laughs> It took forever, and now it's like wanted to get it perfect, you know. And so, feature creep definitely was a part of it. Um, I got to the point where I'm like, okay, no more features, but let's get the features in there, super perfect, and you know, all the mistakes everyone makes when they f- build their first stuff, and um, and so that's why it took so long. And then after that, after like a quick say, I was like, you know, let's just make something quick. I'm like, digital delivery, super easy. Let's just make it quick. But then, you know, it's like, oh, we got to add these features, those features. And so it ended up taking a year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. What we thought was going to take like three months took a year. Um, but, I mean, a year is not too terribly long for the no. scale of what Quixly did. But w- Was it launched? Um, and I, I asked this because I've read your ex- the Execute book you do with Josh Long, which I loved. And I like gave it to my girlfriend and everybody and a bunch of people who don't work in software design or technology. And I was like, this is super relevant. Um, oh, thanks. But knowing, knowing your strategy – now is a lot more closer to let's launch it in like a basic form, get feedback, get people paying and keep building on it. Were you doing that before as well? Or were you like waiting? No, 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 no. I would, uh, you know, that just comes with experience. I mean, like even in, because see, I didn't really know about like the startup world whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Even when I was making Fire Rift, I didn't really know about it at all, like at all. Um, after I made Fireft and I started making Quixly, I started like reading TechCrunch, I think. And that's when I started becoming familiar with how everything works and what the Silicon Valley is and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I didn't have like any of these 
and it wasn't really blogging, you know, until like 2004 or six. Yeah. I mean, it existed before, but it wasn't really anything. Um, so there wasn't really anything to read or any way to to do this kind of stuff that I knew of. I mean, there was stuff out there for sure, but nothing that I knew of, right? So the re- the way that my methodology now comes from just trying other things, and now I've decided this is better, you know. Um, so back then I didn't do any of that stuff. I didn't launch early, none of that stuff. And then because I did Screeny, and that took a fairly short amount of time, and I did the industry website. I just like threw it up there. People really rallied rallied around the idea, even though the site was crap because it was just thrown up there in like two days. Yeah. Um, uh, and 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 like for instance, ValioCon. I was like, you know what? There should be a conference that's not so conferency. Yeah. And all about all about the fun and not making speakers into celebrities, that kind of thing. So. Uh, and that, you know, I just, you know, threw together with whatever I could. And so just having done that time and time again, um, it just kind of made me realize that, you know, this is a better way. With Dialogues, I spent a lot of time um, building that before it launched. Um, and then also, uh, well, I guess that's really the only one since then that I've taken a long time. I guess the, I'm working on two right now, Footage and Filtron, that I'm taking a long time with. Um, so I, I still do it, but... Most of my products that people see are the ones that come out really quickly. Yeah. Um, and the reason I do it with the other ones, uh, for instance, like my brothers, the ones who have the comic business, they've really wanted to diversify. And, uh, and so I was like, well, software is a great way to go, but it's super risky. And so I was like, well, let's just do this iMovie competitor because there's no risk um, mm-hmm. because there's zero competitors. There's absolutely zero. Um, so it, it would just be us and iMovie. Uh, but it's really hard to build, and there's been a lot of development complications. Uh, so we moved on to this thing called Filtron. And so the reason I'm taking a long time with that is because I want to get it right uh, because this is a lot of their money wrapped up in it, you know. Yeah. If it was just me, I'd just do whatever I wanted. But um, So there's another reason why it's okay still to take a while. And I don't – like the Execute book I think is is absolutely awesome at what it does. It gets people fired up to just go out and build something. I think people need to do that. Um because a lot of people haven't done the other way. They haven't taken two years to build something. Yeah. And that's way harder to convince people to do. <laughs> what – Um. actually um, – oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. I was just going to say, so it's not like this one is always better than the other. I would say most often the execute way is, is a better way. Um, but I'm I'm not opposed to getting things right as long as – I, I don't know. I guess as long as the person in charge has the experience of doing it both ways, so yeah. they know what feature well, they, creep is, yeah. they know they know they know the pros and the cons of each. In terms of so thinking about like the execute um, mentality, has there ever been a moment? I, I you know I don't want to spoil it for any of the readers, but I know in there you talk about you know I'll, I'll think about an idea, and if I think it's going to take a little longer than I want it to, I probably might put it on the back burner for now. Has there ever been something that you've been like no? I am so amped up. I want to do this, but I know it's going to take me a little longer. So I'm go. I'm still going to push forward with it. Yeah. So that would probably be most re- my most recent example would be Plasso, something that launched like that. So um, Spacebox was kind of built just to make a user friendly way to use Stripe mm-hmm. because Stripe uh, is only if you're a developer is it user friendly. Yeah. Um, if you're not a developer, you have no idea what's going on. Even their website, you have no idea what's going on. Um, so, so with Spacebox, it was just an easy way to make 
make it available to anybody, make Stripe available to anybody. But my long-term goal has always been with Spacebox, which is now called Plasso, uh, was to make a competitor to PayPal. And so I was starting off with what I knew, which was digital delivery, because I had done Quixly before. Yeah. And so I, I was like, well, you know, I'll just make a, a digital del- delivery app for, um, for Stripe, but also allow it to do the normal Stripe stuff, like just straight-up payment pages and that kind of thing. Yeah. And so with Plasso, what I decided to do is I re-engineered everything and then um, has recurring – like Spacebox also had recurring p- billing in there and stuff. Uh, but what Plasso is doing is it's kind of moving in direction towards – Payments in general. So I have this pay me page feature where when you sign up with Plasso, if you you have to enable it, it's not enabled by default uh, just for security. But if you enable it, then you can go to plasso.co slash your email address, like mine is plasso.co slash drew at drewwilson.com. Yep. You go there and, and you can send me a payment uh, via credit card. So I'm working on with Stripe to get Bitcoin in there and then eventually bank oh, wow. payments. But, uh, but eventually it'll be more useful but right now it's just the beginnings and so once i have that in place where i have people paying people um and and then i also have all the seller tools i have right now i'll be in a better position to then try to do some harder stuff uh to compete better with paypal um so i have some plans as where i want to take that um but yeah i think it'd be awesome if i could get people off well there's some people that have left paypal now because i have an invoicing feature in plaso oh really Um, I see. Yeah, I did so, not know that. So I, um, I, I followed Spacebox. So my brother uses Spacebox. Actually, Aubrey spoke. I think at ValioCon. Um, so yeah, you guys have, I'm sure, chatted it up. But um, I was talking to him one day. I was like, "What do you use?" He's like, "Dude, I use Spacebox." Um, I didn't know that they had an invoice feature. Feature. So since then, I've been like following it up. I know you had some like, I don't know how long is it was. Aubrey your brother? Yeah. Aubrey Johnson, Johnson is your yes. is your brother? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> no way. That's awesome. Yeah. I had no idea I'm talking to his um, brother. That's crazy. No, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's, we don't look, I, he has blonde hair, I have brown hair. We don't look anything alike. Um, but so he told me about Spacebox. I checked it out. I followed, I, you know, I followed it for a while. I knew you were doing, before it was called Plastic, correct? And yeah. I still got to write a blog post on that. Yeah. Um, and then you mm. ran into some troubles with that. And then Plasso. Plasso launch and I was like, oh, this is cool. I didn't know you could do invoicing though. That is super cool. It sounds like I am probably going to move away from PayPal now. So yeah, that's what Aubrey uses. He uses it for invoicing. Yeah, um, it, it it sounds really really cool. I haven't I haven't actually used it yet, but I will. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's wild. I didn't know. It's <laughs> cool to make that connection. Um, well, that's that's uh, that's why he's on the first season. I was like, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome dude wow okay oh it's just crazy to me that these two worlds are combining yeah right. um yeah so with uh with the invoicing feature right now um the difference between it and like uh, a pay me page is you can add line items essentially is, is the main difference gotcha and the person gets an email and they can click the link to go make a payment and they see it all and they can print it off or whatever oh. they want to do but that's super cool um yeah, so so now that that's in place, like uh, once I get a few more things in place, uh, it'll be a more f- formidable competitor yeah. to PayPal for people who you know just need it for invoicing or want to use Stripe. Because the great thing about Plasso is that it's built on Stripe's Stripe Connect feature, mm-hmm. which Stripe Connect uh, is kind of like 
how you use Twitter with Tweetbot. So gotcha. you have a Twitter account and you use OAuth to say, yes, Twitter, allow Tweetbot to use it. But at any time, you can log into Twitter and deauthorize that yep. Tweetbot app, right? So that's the same way Stripe Connect works. You have a Stripe account and you can authorize different apps. And Plasso is one of those apps that you can integrate and authorize with. So, for instance, if you have a bunch of customers and one day you decide you want to leave Plasso, you leave Plasso, all that data is still in Stripe. Oh, all that's your customers, super sweet, your man. members are still in Stripe even if you leave. The other things that Plasso does that Stripe doesn't do are going to be gone, like shipping data, all that kind of stuff yeah. uh, will be gone. Um, but the actual member themselves yep. will still remain. Well, all that um, stuff is extra extra in terms of the Stripe because it's unique to the app. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, hey, Charlie. What's up, man? <laughs> um, so we are we're at like the 50-minute mark, which is great because this thing has been awesome. But um, – I'm curious. So we, you know, we sort of talked about Fire Rift, and then we talked about Plasso, and I, and then we talked about Execute a little bit. And we don't have to go into super detail because I don't want to keep you too much longer. But um, I'm good. I'm curious. Every like the decisions you made for things in between. Um, so let's see. I don't know. I'm gonna pull up your site real quick because I can't off the top of my head think of that. You, you run an unfortunate problem where you've made so many things it's hard to remember all of them. It's, and that's not an unfortunate problem. So yeah. So yeah. whether it was like Namebox, Room, Rune, Lumo, um, I needed execute ventures for a short period. Like, what was uh, I don't know. What was like the decision to make those things? And I only ask because like, um, <laughs> um, I I only ask that um, because you're a busy dude. So you know. Are you just like, I'm going to make this with what I know? Or are you like, hey, I want to try to play with uh, Node.js and make it with this. Or I want to try and make it with some other thing and this other thing. Like, like what's the what's the, the thought process? So I guess, I guess I always suggest for people, if you want to build something quickly, build with what you know and don't bother looking into anything new. Mm-hmm. Um, because then you're guaranteed to get it up and not have to worry about semantics or the way you're supposed to code. Um, but if you're interested in learning a new framework or a new language, an app is a great excuse uh, or a great way to learn that. You know, to build an app on such and so uh, framework is a great way to learn the framework. Um, yeah. But in my case, uh, it's never it's never been that way. It's just um, if I want to build something, I usually want to build it quickly. Yeah. So, for instance, like with Lumo, I've been interested in photography. Uh, since I was a kid and, um, I've always been taking pictures at a camera, that kind of thing. And, uh, so that to me is something I love and will always continue to do when I have time to do it. Um, so Lumo came out of the way, like I, I've actually never downloaded Instagram. And the reason I never did it at first was because I didn't want to be limited to a square format. I didn't really like that idea. And so I just never downloaded it or used it. Um, and I decided, well, maybe I should just come up with my own thing. And so I came up with Lumo. Um, and so the idea behind Lumo is that, uh, it's not just for iOS, but it's a really easy way to use it with your phone. So I take a lot of photos and I want to share them with people, but it's not really, I want to share them. I also want to like put them in like a website that people can browse in like a website kind of way. Um, and so that's what the Lumo iOS app is. You can just upload any photo and there's no filtering and the app doesn't allow you to take a photo and that's on purpose because i don't want like snapshots i want like yeah you know 
like more, I guess, professional or better. Well, you want thought, on there. thoughtful photos. Yeah. And then it also acts as a backup service because it saves your original size and everything. Oh, wow. And you can download them all at any time. And then also from the desktop, you can drag as many photos as your mouse can grab and drop them on there and upload them all. Um, and so that it's also for you know wedding photographers, prof- professional photographers who use desktop editing tools to make yeah. their photos, drag them into Lumo and make um, and make a gallery out of it. Uh, and it's just like a super 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 duper uber simple app. Um, is, and that's what I like about it is just really easy to develop for and it's easy. Easy to use because there's not too many features. And it's all, it's all about the photo. So it's not like 500 pixels or Flickr where they give you all the metadata and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because those already exist. This is just about um, the photos. photos up and make yeah. them look cool. Uh, you can go to like drew.lumo.me and you can see my uh, my my galleries and all that kind of jazz. And recently up, up updated the theme. And I have a couple of themes like mostly coded. I just got to finish them off and then... Because from launch, I've had the ability. It's just hidden right now in the iOS app to buy other themes. Oh, that's um, cool. I just haven't, haven't had the time to finish Oh, you them. haven't made any themes for people to buy. Yeah. Um, so That's really cool. I, but anyhow, so that, that was the motivation behind Lumo. Behind Rune, it was like um, I wanted to make – I wanted to make like a, a blogging experience for the Mac, mm-hmm. and it's Sam Sofis had, Sofis had tweeted out that he was making a text editor, and I was like, hey, dude, let's, uh, I have this idea for this blog platform. Let's oh, do this. was that when like, he was yeah, making cool. wi- whiskey or before like whiskey became a thing? Before whiskey, yeah. Gotcha. Um, and so, uh, so we made Lumo – or I'm sorry, Rune with the intent of making – a Mac app, but Mac app was the whole reason we made it, and it's the one thing that didn't launch yet. Um, but it will. After ValueCon this year, we're going to remake our second envisioning of Rune, which would be cool. Um, and so, yeah, Rune's cool. It's got an iOS app to blog, and then it's uh, got you know the web component too. But the whole reason I wanted to make it is because I hate writing on the web. Uh, it was obviously the web component needs to be there, but um, the whole idea is to make the Mac. And uh, eventually that'll happen. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really cool. Sam was also a guest on uh, on the podcast in season one. Yeah. Cool dude. Yeah. He's his story is pretty pretty cool. Um. So we're getting towards the end here. Uh. We have a few like uh. I guess boilerplate questions that we ask, but we always find them sort of helpful. Mm-hmm. Um. If you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Um. You're my younger self. You mean like any age? Yeah, Probably it like. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the only thing I would tell myself would I would give myself a CD with all of my code right now on it and say, <laughs> launch this, launch this app. You'll make a ton of money. <laughs> it's like the uh, the Marty McFly when he goes into yeah, the future gets the almanac. I, do. I don't know. I like I. I kind of enjoy uh, the. I mean, obviously, like everybody else, I don't enjoy the downs. Um, yeah. But I enjoy the fact that I went through the ups and downs, and I enjoy the fact that I've, you know, come to where I'm at, just based off the decisions I've made. And um, you know, there's a lot of good fortune involved, of course, just like everybody. But um, I don't know. Cool. I'm not sure I would tell myself anything other than keep on doing what you're doing. Now, so, I want to add so on. So in, in the same breath, yeah, I could take it. Uh, in the same breath, then, um, do you have any advice 
you know, or anything you'd like to pass along to a newcomer, you know, or someone looking to kind of forge the same path you did? Yeah. Um, I would just say that if you're looking to make money off of building products, I would just say build products and don't like this. I love Shark Tank. Whenever I watch it, I'm just so disappointed <laughs> in people because they always hold so on good. to everything like it's their baby. And I'm like, don't treat anything like it's your baby. Don't hold on to anything at all because you have to be like if your whole goal is to um, have fun making things and make money at it then your goal should not be to work on one thing for the rest of your life. Like, that should not be your goal. Maybe that will end up happening, but that should not be your goal. What your goal needs to be is you need to go where the uh, well, where the money and the opportunity is. Like, that's what mm-hmm. you need to do, and you need to be able to drop things. And I couldn't drop fire refs, right? And I couldn't drop quickly, but I'm glad I didn't because I learned those lessons myself. Yeah. It's so hard to tell somebody a lesson and expect them to like, <laughs> like listen to it. They have mm-hmm. to experience it for themselves. So if anybody actually does care to learn from me, then I would say uh, definitely don't hold on to anything you're doing as like your baby. Like, obviously, give it all it all it needs, and I usually say with anything at least two years, you know. But um, don't. Don't expect what you're doing now to be the thing that you're always going to be doing. Uh, expect to move on to better things. That's uh, you know, and, and yeah. that's a really good point because a lot of times it's like commitment level and things like that are questioned. You know, if you bail on something or if you you move on to something else quickly, but in reality, maybe it's just that you realize that it had run its course. Yeah. And yeah. Now it's time for the next thing. And it's not like it's a bad idea. That's what people think. Like, oh, if I if I don't succeed at this, that means my idea was bad. It does not mean your idea was bad. Like. Ideas are the same everywhere you go. It's the implementation. Mm-hmm. So it might have been your implementation that's bad, and it's not really a terrible thing. Like you did what you could with what you had at the time. Maybe if you do it ten years later, it'll be better. Who knows? But um, yeah, I would just say, don't yeah, don't expect to do one thing, and don't try to do one thing because then you're forcing. Like you're, that's what people always do. They have this idea and they force it. Like oh my gosh, it pisses me off so much to see what gets funded in Silicon Valley. Like I just got an email from somebody. Um, not that they're a terrible person or anything, but they, they're so brainwashed. They're like, you know, like, Hey, uh, we want to hire you to do design work for, um, our startup. It's going to be a location-based business network. I'm like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) like location-based business network. Like why? Like why? W H Y. Why? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Like, why are you getting money for this? Like, it doesn't make any sense. You have this idea like, Oh, maybe that would be cool. Great. Build it. Don't suck someone else's money from it. Build it and see if it's great. If it's great, suck someone else's money to make it better. Like, just do things on your own. That's what people don't do enough. They, like, put all the risk on other people, like investors is what I'm talking about. They put all the risk in in some people who are stupid enough to get their uh, family to give them money to do these dumb ideas uh, who have no idea about technology or whatever. Oh, it's terrible. But... They put all the risk on others, and then if it doesn't work out for them, oh, hey, I'm considered success anyways because my app got pressed even though it was negative, yeah. and now I can go on and move on to other things. There's no, there's no like downside when you take money. There's mm-hmm. no downside. People I see founders writing blog posts, oh, it's so hard being a founder. I have to work all the time. Feel mm-hmm. bad for me. Like It's so stupid. I hate when people write those things like – who cares? There's free people in Africa who have to walk forever to get water. They don't even have the luxury to get a job. Gosh dang it. Piss me off when people write that stuff. Oh, man. People are so whiny. But anyways, like, I don't even remember what my original point was. But, That's uh, fine. Keep going. It was Whatever. Something. 
I think it was the idea of like doing and uh, not being attached oh, yeah, to an idea. Oh, yeah, do it yourself because if you have all the risk, it's so extraordinary because if you fail, it's the best thing in the world because now you're so much smarter when it comes to your yeah. next thing. And if you, if you would just take the time to learn the skills, build it yourself, if you really want it to exist like you say you do in your mission statement, then you would freaking pull up Treehouse or something and learn to code, build it yourself, and if it works out and if it turns out it's a good idea, you're going to know. And then you can go to an investor and instead of saying, hey, please, please, please give me money to make this, say, hey, do you want to be a part of this? It's already happening, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So it's just yeah. so, it's so, it'd be, the world would be such a better place if people would just try to build things on their own and stop making excuses like, oh, I'm a marketer. I can't do that. It, it, you know, it's interesting because it sort of ties into – so we spoke with John Gold in the first season. John, if you're listening, what's up? Um, and we both – we all sort of agreed that it's – being, we, we it wasn't talking about taking startup funding. It was more about being in, gainfully employed with a company, and you sort of lose your motivation or the kick in the ass to get stuff done quickly because the money is always going to be there. And it sounds like you're sort of talking about similar things. Obviously, there are some nuances there that are very different. But you take investor money and you fail. You're like, Ugh, it's okay. But if the only money you have is the money in your bank account. You're either going to make it very quickly, let it fail, and then move on to the next thing, or you're going to make sure it doesn't fail. And it sounds like there's it's the risk-reward thing, right? You take someone else's money, high risk, reward is high. But if you fail, you don't – your house isn't foreclosed on, and you don't yeah. have to live with your mom. You just go get a job somewhere else. And that's like – that's the thing. It's like they call it the Silicon Valley game because it really is a game. Yeah. Like these people don't have much at risk. Uh, the investors have a pretty good amount of risk. But the people building this stuff, they don't have much at risk. Whereas if you, if if your intent is to play the game, you play the game. Maybe you leave because you're never successful. And you go do something else. But if your intent is to learn business and to be a good maker, then you will need that risk in mm-hmm. order to learn those lessons. If you don't have that risk, you're not going to learn those lessons because the lessons come with the risk. And it, you're never going to be good at business uh, unless you either are lucky and have a success or you have enough failures behind yeah. you where you had the risk to, to learn those lessons. Because most people who fail at startups, I see them, they pivot. They're able to go get money from somebody else to do something else. And they didn't learn a single thing. They say, oh, we failed. We learned a lot. What did you learn? You're going the exact same yeah. route. <laughs> yeah. Literally nothing's different. If you just took the part of history out where you failed, your current path is nothing different than <laughs> your original one. Like, you didn't learn anything. Yeah, that's... You know, it's actually a good. Maybe way to they learned what service not to use. Yeah, use right. Rackspace um, instead of Oz or something. But that's actually interesting. That's 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 gonna keep me up tonight. Probably thinking about it. I don't read TechCrunch or any of those things because I, I avoid it like the plague. I don't want to hear about any of that kind of stuff either. Um, so I think that's I don't know. That's a nice way I think to end most of the podcast. We do have one last question, and Drew, this is the question that everyone loves. I'm gonna give a little. Drum roll. This is the secret fun time question. Um, as the name states, it's secret and it's tons of fun. But, um, it's, you know, you don't know it ahead of time. But we're going to say it now. It's not related to anything tech or web or design or anything. But if Nick and I showed up to your house tomorrow, what what's uh, what are you making us for dinner? And what are we doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... If you showed up tomorrow, 
What time? Which we, we which which we are actually. Yeah. Wait. We're what on time our are you guys coming over? I think the plane lands at like uh three thirty. Okay, so afternoon time. Yeah. So, so what we would probably do, uh, is we'd head down to the ocean. I don't know if you guys are. Are you on the West Coast? I know Aubrey is. Are you on the West Coast? No, uh, Nick and I are both in New York. I'm in, when we're actually both in Brooklyn, different apartments, but both in Brooklyn. Oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So we go to the beach down there because that's fun, um, and I like doing that. And then uh, for dinner, we'd probably hit up my sushi place right down the street, or the freaking best pizza ever. Um, really, primo, primo pasta. I know New York thinks it's got the greatest pizza, but <laughs> I'm just not a fan of the New York kind of pizza. So that's fair. I guess that just kind of excludes it. But I'm um, with you. Uh, anyways, uh, lo- dude, the crust is amazing. Like it like pulls. Oh, it's so good. Um, but anyways, we go get some of that, and then for mm-hmm. what I always, whenever I have people over, we always have uh, s'mores in my bonfire, my bonfire pit in the back. So dude, that's it's, sweet. It's good awesome. times. I love. I make a. I make a s'mores cookie. Yes, dude. It's it's massive. It's like it's like uh, four inches. I'll I'll tweet you a photo, an Instagram photo of one of the other cookies. It's a birthday cake kind, but the s'mores one. I it's like your regular cookie or whatever, and then it's uh crushed up graham crackers, and I will literally inject marshmallow fluff into the cookie <laughs> and then bake it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I've delicious. gotten it down to a science. I know which brand of marshmallows to buy like if you buy the um the jet puff brand mm-hmm. it's terrible for, it's terrible for roasting because as soon as they get a little hot they start to like turn to water almost and they just start uh, melting. but if you buy over here there's a grocery store called ralph's you buy the ralph's brand oh it's great money cool um all right pizza and sushi awesome is there that's well yeah it sounds like we'd have a freaking blast but um is there anything you want to plug? Any products? Uh, where can people find you on the internets, on Twitters? Anything you're doing soon that you want to give attention to? Yeah. So by the time this podcast comes out, um, my app KidCam will probably be out. It's a yes. it's a camera app for kids. So if you're a parent and you have kids and you're sick of your storage getting full or a bajillion photos you have to go through and delete, um, you'll want KidCam. It's KidCam.me, um, and then. If you accept money or desire to accept money or if you sell things or desire to sell things, go sign up at Plasso. It's Plasso.co, P-L-A-S-S-O dot C-O. And uh, get yourself in there. Um, but yeah, if go to my website, DrewWilson.com, to check out all my other projects. You can scroll down to the bottom to see a list of the history of stuff or the actual website itself advertises my products. And then um, you can find me on Twitter at DrewWilson. Sweet. All right. Thanks, Drew. Um, Go, Drew. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, this was fun.